This message is produced by the Transformation Edge Church. We believe you'll be inspired and transformed by it. The Trans Edge, a change is inevitable. Shall we pray? Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus because you're opening our hearts to hear your word and we know that as you speak to us, our hearts are responsive. Our minds may not get it straight away, but our heart will receive it as we continue to process this word. And help, help us to use this word to grow, to move forward in you. So that we will look back at, at ourselves in time and see how far we've come. And for your name to be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first question is, how healthy is your belief system? How healthy is your belief system? You know, at times we, you know, as Christians, we say, well, we, we've got faith, we believe, you know. Um, but halfway through, how healthy is that belief system? You might eat some food, and, you know, while you're eating that food, you're not thinking this food, you know, is going to upset, upset my stomach. No, you're not, you're not thinking that way, you just eat. And if the food is nice, we continue to eat. That's lovely. However, whilst you're eating, you never can tell if that food is good for you, if your system will respond properly, or if it's going to really go against your system and then you keep going to the loo all through the night. You don't know. But when it starts, you can stop it. Right? But we'll only just take on what we think is good. Okay. But how healthy is that food? Is that meal that you've just eaten? How healthy is the way you trust? How healthy is the way you believe? How healthy is your faith in God? How healthy is it? Is it healthy? Or is it disrupted? Is it disabled by the things around you? By the way we think? Okay, we'll start from here. There was this guy who came to Jesus in the Bible, and uh, he had a need. And one of his needs, or rather his major need, the reason why he came to Jesus was because his son was dying. And he thought, okay, I've got to go to Jesus. But when he got there, Jesus wasn't there. His disciples were there. And he started to ask them, can you do something for me? My son is dying. Can you help? Can you pray? Whatever Jesus does, can you do for this guy so that he, you know, he, he stays alive? Let, let's read that. Mark chapter 9, verse 14. Let's do the NIV. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about, he asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. In other words, becomes stiff. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Interesting. He said, I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they couldn't. In other words, I thought your disciples could. But they couldn't. That's quite interesting. But look at the next one. 
And Jesus said to him, you unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? So Jesus is thinking, come on, I've been with you. I've performed so many miracles. My expectation is that you would have moved along with me to understand how these things work. And he called them unbelieving generation. Interesting. He said, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me, he said. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, okay, how long has he been like this? Because it, it was dramatic. So how long has he always done this? And the father said, from childhood, it has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, oh, lovely. You see, that's the father's heart. If you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Wait. Look this way. Now, why did he bring the boy to, the father in the first, uh, to Jesus in the first place? Sorry? To be healed. So he had the faith that Jesus could do something about the situation. But now, Jesus is saying, how long has it been like this? And he said, well, from childhood, it's always been like this. And then he said something that that started to suggest the state of his believing. And what was the word? If. But something other than if brought him there. But when he got to the situation, when he got to Jesus, he decided to actually expose his level of faith. And he says, uh, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus said, if you can. In other words, why did you bother leaving the house? If that's the way you're thinking. Do you know most times that's the way we think about the things that we pray about. God, if you want us to. God, if you can do this. God, if you can do that. But God, why me? You know, and, and Jesus is saying, if you can. And look, look at the reason why he's saying, if you can. You know, he, he's thinking, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with your belief system? He said, everything is possible for one who believes. Everything. He didn't say a few things. He didn't say only when it is not as bad. He said, everything is possible for one who believes. And immediately the father's boy exclaimed, I do believe, help overcome my unbelief. In other words, I do believe, but my belief system is sick. My belief system is disrupted. I believe, please help overcome my unbelief. I think it's contradictory. He's saying, I believe. So in the place of belief, where does unbelief creep in? Say, I believe, help my unbelief. So where is the unbelief if he actually believed? Do you know that there is no partial believing? It's either you believe or you don't believe. But in this case, something brought him there. But he wasn't sure he would have his answers. Say, I believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. So when Jesus saw the crowd, that the crowd was running into the scene, he rebuked the spirit. 
You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you. Did you hear that? He didn't say, I beg you. He didn't say, only for now, just don't embarrass me. No, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The person who speaks like that must either have an authority. So he said, I command you. Oh, I love it. Back, back there, thank you. He said, you deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. In other words, don't just only come out of him now and you can do whatever you want to do when you get home. No. He said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. Stay away. Because when you become a child of God, that's the same command that the devil hears. Stay away. This belongs to God now. This person is God's now. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. Can you pull that up? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, I love it. He's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The new is here. So if anyone is in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. So if you are in Christ, the devil has no place. The devil has no authority anymore over you. And you ought to know that. And if you don't know, he will keep scaring you and harassing you. Mark chapter 9, verse 14. So 26. So the spirit strict, conversed him violently, and came out. You know how Jesus said, come out of him and don't go back in him again. So the spirit strict, conversed him violently, and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he's dead. Hold on. Have you ever seen something in your life that you've prayed about and it just got worse? The more you prayed, it just got worse. This is one of the scriptures that indicates that when things start to get worse in your life, it's just about to get better. So the, the spirit came out, but first he convulsed him. He made him look really, really, really bad. Until people can only look at him and go, oh, well, that guy looks lifeless. He's dead. But you see, this is your response. This is supposed to be your response, all right? Look at what Jesus said. But Jesus took him by the hand. Whilst people were thinking he's dead, but Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. And at times, that's what we've just got to do in our lives. Things aren't working well. Speak God's word over it. For the last three, three plus weeks, we've been talking about a people of prophecy. That your word has got power. It's got power. And don't underestimate the fact that your word has got power. But we've just said here that while you're speaking power over your situation, it could just look as though it's worse. But it's then your responsibility to make it work. Are you still here? Go there, lift him by the hand, and go, you're, no, you're, you're not dying. No, you just look dead, but you're not dead. There's life in you. This business, you look like you're going down, but you ain't going down. Because I'm here. I've got the life of God in me. And I've got the presence of the Holy Spirit wherever I go. Say amen to that. Amen. All right. Number two, when your believing system is sick, it's also as a result of fear. The first one was as a result of doubt. So this guy was doubtful and said, oh, God, I believe, but help my unbelief. In other words, he was saying, 
God, I believe, but it's not perfect yet. And it's okay if you're working on it. But do you know that Jesus does not expect you, or God does not expect you to have a mountain of faith? He does not expect you to have big faith. He does not expect that. He knows with you, it's a process. But the little one that you've got is enough to fix your situation. You know how the scripture says that there's nothing that has ever happened to you that God has not given you the power to overcome. So God has given you the power to overcome. In other words, look inwards. The answer is always there. All right. So number two, fear. And one of the things that fear does is that it cripples your belief system. It cripples your belief system. Fear of what may happen. Fear of what people may say. Fear of missing out. Fear of the unknown. Fear of what if God does not show up. Fear. What if it's not working the way I thought it would? What if it's just an emptiness? What if my expectation is just nothing? What if I've been waiting here and being patient and nothing is going to happen anyway? Now, there was this guy in the Bible who was called a righteous man that to the point that God even bragged about him. Remember his name? You see, I didn't have to tell you. Because everyone, almost everyone know. Job. That God even bragged about him. But things happened in his life to the point where everything he ever owned, he lost them. And if you read that scripture or the, the, the book of Job, just on the surface, what you end up saying is that, well, God allowed everything to happen to him. But if you actually read in and want to understand it a little bit further, you realize that it was not God that allowed it. It was his belief system. He had fear. He had fear. He said, but, the, but, you know, it didn't say that. It did. Let's have a look. Job chapter 1, verse 1. We'll read to verse 5. In the land of Oz, there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless, lovely, blameless, and upright. How many of us are like that today? Blameless and upright. Oh, no one. Ouchie. I thought Jesus died for you. Okay, so this man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. He shunned evil. Shunning evil means, man, I don't even look your way. Kind of. He had seven sons and three daughters, ten children. And he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 donkeys, and had a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among all the people of the East. Lovely. His sons used to hold feasts in his homes on their birthdays, and they would invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. That's not a problem. That's normal. Okay? Verse 5. Pay attention here. When a period of feasting had run its course, Job would make arrangements for them to be purified. Job would make arrangements for them, for the children, for the ten children, to be purified. Early in the morning, he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them. Now, don't forget when the Bible says, as a man, as people think in their heart, so they are. So in other words, what makes you is how you think. So, early in the morning, he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them. Doing what? 
thinking, perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This was his regular custom. So every time, whether or not the kids go, well, we've really done anything. No, he just thought, probably. And some of us will do that for our children, just in case. And we think it's the right attitude. But you see, your thought is disrupted about who God actually is. Chapter 3, verse 25. Okay, so don't forget what he was thinking. So verse 25 said, what I feared has come upon me. So when things started to happen against him, what did he say? What I feared. In other words, that was what he always thought was going to happen. And that was why he kept doing what? Purifying his children. So what I feared. So can you realize now, or do you realize now that whatever happened to him was not as a result of what someone did to him, but rather what he thought would happen to him. So what I feared has come upon me. What I dreaded has happened to me. So our belief system is ruined usually by fear, by the way we think. The Bible says of God, it said, he never sleeps nor slumber because he's the one that looks after Israel. And the Bible tells us that we are the Israel of God. We are the Israel of God. So he looks after us. He looks after you. You get a generic email at work talking about a particular um, thing that happened on Friday. The first thing you probably might be thinking about yourself, you quickly do uh, you know, a search in your heart. Are you sure they are not talking about me? Did the camera catch me doing that thing? <laughs> Don't always think that way. Number three, one of the things that causes our belief system to look disrupted or to be disrupted is our uncertainty about our God reality. Our uncertainty about our God reality. You're not certain if what he says is going to happen. Are you sure he's even there? Are you sure anyone is listening? Let's just pray to the universe. You're confused. Let's pray to Mother Nature. Where is, how many times Mother Nature has said, hello, my son, are you still there? That you don't know does not mean there is not. But you see, as God's people, we don't think as people who do not know. But when you start to fetch the ideas of someone who is an outsider, when I say an outsider, someone who does not know God, of course your God reality would be disrupted. It will always be truncated. It will always lean towards, what do I think about what is happening? And most of us tend to only trust God until a more rationally reasonable alternative. We trust God until something else comes along. So let's pray. Okay, we'll pray. And then someone else calls you from Melbourne and goes, hey, there's this opportunity. Would you? And this opportunity goes against every other thing that you've been willing and praying for. Okay. There are times we start to ask, God, are you sure this is not it? Are you sure this is not the answer to the, to the prayers I've been praying? And it's completely 
completely, completely different from what you've always hoped and thought about. Go, let, let's jump at it. Let's jump at it. Let's take it. So what sets in? The cousin, fear, sets in again. Fear of missing out. What if I don't take it? What will happen? What if this is the only opportunity that I have? What if I miss this opportunity? You know, someone rightly said, he said, don't kill yourself over it if you miss the boat. Because if you miss the boat, it means it was never yours. Wait. Another one will come. All right. So we've talked about doubt, we've talked about fear, and we've also talked about, um, what was the third one? The uncertainty about our God reality. Uncertainty about our God reality. First Kings chapter 13, verse 7. Now, this was a story about two prophets. Now, one of them was young, and the other one was old. Now, it was not basically about them. It was about what God has asked the young prophet to do. So God sent the young prophet to a city and said, go tell the king Ahab that this is what is going to happen because of what he's thinking to do to his people. And so the guy went, spoke to King Ahab, and, you know, and the king got furious, and things happened. All the things that God said started to happen. But halfway through, the king asked him, all right, since you've already said a few things and, you know, signs has happened, would you stay back with me and have some meal? Let's read verse 7. So the king said to the man of God, come home with me for a meal and I'll give you a gift. But the man of God answered the king, even if you were to give me half your possessions, I would not go with you, nor would I eat bread or drink water here. For I was commanded by the word of the Lord, you must not eat bread or drink water or return by the way you came. You see what God told him? Don't do anything in that city. Once you've given the word that I've sent you to give, just walk away. But the king is saying, would you come with me? I'll give you some gift. I'll give you this and that. But, but you see, another thing is, does he need to tell the king why he wouldn't stay? You know how some kids go... Do you want part of my drink? No, my dad said not to drink and have any drink that someone else had already drank. Is that why you're not drinking it? And what if, yeah, probably dad really said that. But do you have to actually throw that under the bus right there? But, but you see, that's what the guy did, right? But that was not the problem. So he took another road and did not return by the way he had come to Bethel. Now there was a certain old prophet. Say with me, old prophet. All right, so what that kind of suggests is that he's experienced. He's been there, done that, right? All right, so now there was a certain old prophet living in Bethel whose sons came and told him all that the man of God had done there that day. They also told, him, told their father what he had said to the king. Their father asked them, which way did he go? And his sons showed him which road the man of God from Judah had taken. So he said to his sons, saddle the donkey for me. And when they had saddled the donkey for him, he mounted it. And rode after the man of God, he found him sitting under an oak tree and asked, Are you the man of God who came from Judah? I am, he replied. So, so the prophet said to him, Come home with me and eat. The man of God said, I cannot turn back and go with you, nor can I eat bread or drink water with you in this place. I have been told by the word of the Lord, again, told by the word of the Lord, you must not eat bread or drink water there or return by the way you came. So what he's suggesting is, I'm really hungry, but I don't want to because God said no. 
I would really like the gift, but I don't want to because God said no. All right. So he was just looking for a flicker that would change his mind in a way. Here the next one. The old prophet answered, I too am a prophet. So in other words, I hear from God too, not only you. Say, so I too am a prophet as you are, and an angel said to me by the word of the Lord. He didn't say God said to me. Say, so an angel said to me. How interesting. Say, so an angel said to me by the word of the Lord, bring him back with you to your house so that he may eat bread and drink water. But what did he say? But he was lying to him. All right. So the man of God returned with him and ate and drank in his house. While they were sitting at the table, the word of the Lord came to the old prophet who had brought him back. Now God actually now was speaking to the old prophet. And what did he say? He cried out to the man of God who had come from Judah. This is what the Lord says. You have defied the word of the Lord and have not kept the command the Lord your, your God gave you. You came back and ate bread and drank water in the place where, I, where he told you not to drink or eat or drink. Therefore, your body will not be buried in the tomb of your ancestors. Do you know how we just go, we think we've heard from God. God has already spoken to you. He's spoken his blessing over you until a more favorable alternative comes along. And you go, hmm, are you sure, God, this is not the one that you're talking about? Well, let's go with this one. Because if I don't go with this one, what if I miss it? And at times, it's someone who you trust that brings about a more favorable alternative. But God is saying, hey, trust me. Don't trust an intermediate person. Trust me. Have I spoken to you? You wait to hear me again before you make the next step. And at times, God asks you to wait. Wait in this city. Wait in this place where you are at. Don't make any move yet. But someone else comes to you and says, you know what? There's another place. There's another guy. There's another, another business that you can get yourself into. You know, why not just do this? And you go, well, kind of makes sense because it's rational. It kind of makes sense. Let's just go with it. And then all of a sudden, you go with it. You find yourself in bigger trouble. And you're going, God, but why did you allow me? And God is saying, but I did not ask you. I asked you to wait. And I came to where you were, where I left you, and I didn't find you. When your belief system is sick, number one is because we are in doubt. Number two is because we are afraid. We, we, we fear, you know. We fear the things that may be. Fear of missing out, fear of what may be, fear, fear of the unknown, and so on and so forth. Number three is what? The uncertainty about God's reality. The uncertainty about God's reality, right? Because God's reality is already, this is what I've asked you to do. And here comes another alternative. And you go, wow, I think this is what God is doing. That's not what God is doing. God has not said anything. And if you read further, you realize that the guy, the young prophet, actually died. And guess who went to bring him back and buried him? The old prophet. Was the old prophet punished? No, because it was not about him. It was about the young one. Are you still here? Yeah. The last one was wrong and selfish motives. But there's a way to repair an unhealthy belief system. And I'm just going to, you know, quickly rush over it. And we probably might talk about it on Friday. Is that okay? All right. So number one is being steadfast and unmovable in the things that God has asked you to do. And at times you might not f find quick responses. That is not to say the response is not his, on his way. Okay? Number two is to seek to share your faith with others. Share your testimony with others. How about the good things that have happened in your life? 
why concentrate on the terrible things that are happening right now? Because the good things that have happened is an indication that better things will happen in your life. As opposed to, you see where I'm at, it's really terrible. I'm not quite sure if I'm going to be able to sustain this. I'm dying here. Of course. Do you know, you attract people. And guess who you're going to attract? Sympathizers. Oh, wow. Sympathizers. Sympathizers can never empathize. Sympathizers are not empathizers. They will come and sit with you. Oh, oh dear. Really bad. And you said you are a Christian? Oh, no. Why didn't God save you from this? Oh, no. Really? And some sympathizers will say this. Oh, really? You're even lucky that you are at that level. Mine is worse. So instead of actually caring for you, they turn it around to themselves. All right, so... um, Seek to share your faith with others. And the other one, surround yourself with the right people. Not with sympathizers, but with people who helps you, who will build you up. All right? And number four, ask God for wisdom. God, what are you saying? What do I do? Don't just rely on yourself. Up until this very moment, you've relied on yourself. How about this time, rely on God? You remember the story I said, I told in the beginning? How that woman came on the youth. And the guy, after driving about two kilometers, looked through the rearview mirror and saw that she still had the basket on her head, although she was already sitting in the youth. Can you define what your responsibility is and what God's responsibility is? And if you call him God, let him be God in your life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Can we stand on our feet? Thank you, Holy Spirit. Shall we just pray very briefly? You see how that man said, Jesus, I believe, but help thou my unbelief. And I'm pretty sure there are some of us that are in that position where you're struggling about how much you believe, what God is doing in your life, how these things are changing or not changing. But all I say to you, don't ever throw two balls in 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 a tunnel. Throw only one and wait for it to hit the, um, you know, whatever you've thrown it to hit, and let it come back to you. Because if you throw two, probably you throw one and go, oh, well, it's not back yet. Let's throw another one. And you throw another one in the same direction. What will happen? It hits the first one even if it was on its way back. And that first one returns. The second one does not get to its destination. It comes back to you. And at times, the response that you receive is null and void. It's nothing. At times, it's important for you to just wait on God. The Bible says, they that wait upon God shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And I pray for you today that everything that stands against your faith, that stands against the idea of not being able to trust God fully will be removed for God to fill you with his love with his gentleness, with his patience, so that what you have waited for over time, you will receive the answers in the name of Jesus. I pray that you will not be like the man who says, I believe, but I still have unbelief. And and that is not to say at times you don't have the capacity to doubt, 
but that your heart and your faith will not rest upon your doubt, but it will rest upon God's capacity to bring it forth. In the name of Jesus, he will cause you to ride on the high places of the earth and you will not be disappointed. The time that you've spent waiting upon God will not be a waste of time. In the name of Jesus, and God will help you to stay focused on him and not be wavery in your decision and not be double-minded and not be ambivalent in the things that you've decided to do for him or rather in the way that you've decided to live your life for him but that in due course you will receive the promise that he has made for you in Jesus name Amen God bless you The message you've heard was produced by The Transformation Edge, and we hope it has inspired you. For more information, please visit our website, www.thetransedge.com, or you may contact us via email to frontdesk at thetransedge.com, or on Facebook, The Transedge Church. You may wish to call us on 02-4731-2419. The Transedge, a change is inevitable.